welcome back. It is another week, another last dance, a little package deal for us on Sunday. Uh, and, and with me, of course, is Mr. Ultra, our, yes. our resident expert on the Jordan shoes. <laughs> oh, I don't, I would not say I'm far from an expert no. in that arena. Ultra. But I, I know a bit. Leading question, though, of the day is would you ever actually play basketball on a pair of Jordan 1s? I've thought about this actually and it wasn't it wasn't in response to the doc. It was really when I started getting more interested in sneakers and bought a few that I was like, you know, would it be would it be tough to to ball on a few of these and um some I think for sure would be better use better uh, from a usability standpoint as basketball shoes than the ones, but I think you could do it. I don't think it would be that hard. I think the traction actually is good. I think your your feet, they're just so they're not breathable at all. I think they're pretty stiff. Um, so I just think there's enough. Would well, I? No, probably not. I just think of the flatness of the sole alone would like be unappealing to me. If you look at like most like shoes now, there's like curvature. I mean, even some of the like there's good arch support. These no, I'm saying those... like the sole to ever like there's like yeah, just the technology design of them now is like so much different than like if I wear a pair of if I wear like the ones that I have, it's like significantly different than like it's not comfortable even in like how it fits around your foot which pair of ones do you have i have like the legacy ones they're not even like the true ones they're like okay. the 312 legacy okay. those turquoise bad boys oh yeah yeah okay i know which ones you're talking about um so yeah yeah i i think that's a fair point my feet are so flat that wouldn't really matter for me but yeah. I, I know what you mean mine are not um <clears throat> yeah that was uh, that was actually I will say from this we're just diving right into it. Um, the one you know I, I talked about the first couple not really learning much or like I think like my biggest takeaway from a lot of this like has been there's a lot of things that have been talked about for years now about like Jordan you know whether it's jokes on Twitter, living in Chicago writers hearing about stuff. Um, and this is, I'm building this up to be way more of a factoid than it actually was. But, like, even going through, I did not know Jordan's last game at MSG. I knew he, you know, obviously had, like, a tremendous game. But I did not know he played that entire game in ones as, like, a throwback kind of a move on his part. Oh, it's a badass move. And the jersey, like, the whole look that he has in that game is just incredible. Yeah, but just like not. Yeah, I, I had no context that he did that the last time in ones. I just thought, you know, it was his last game and he balled. But like doing that, even like, which I I don't know how this will sound, but like in my mind, even hearing that, I was like, that feels way more like that doesn't even seem like something that happened in the early two thousands. Like someone doing something with like so much. No, nostalgia awareness is like even a term that can be dumped in there but like that feels like something 
like Le- LeBron would have wore his first pair of shoes, like his return to you know weird stuff like that, where it's like, oh, there's this significant moment in my career. I'm calling back to like something else earlier, and I'm going to do X. I don't feel like players, players like I guess aura like not aura but like legacy or kind of like self narrative that they kind of help create. That's like I think very much a part of today's players and like everything they're doing is somehow tied to something. I mean, it's all kind of more or less a big marketing bell. If you know what I mean, but like it's it's like some purposes to certain things where like. There's at no point an NBA player today is wearing anything or doing anything without some decision being made around it, I guess. Whereas I don't feel like that was the case in the 90s, but for Jordan to even do the thing of like, oh, I want to wear ones in my last game against MSG, I was like, oh, I mean, that's... I think he just decided to do that. I don't think it was like anyone at Nike was like, you should do this. Yeah, if that makes sense. I think it was his idea, and he probably I. It'd be a, a, an interesting thing to know if he just like had those sneakers, unboxed in his in his no. house somewhere. I'm sure that he had to go to Nike, and be like, "Hey, I want to wear these tonight." Right, me up, and obviously he's Michael Jordan. They will yes. find a pair, find a pair of those shoes. They make but, it for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think. Um, it's really it's actually an interesting point to bring up because uh i think in the moment it probably didn't actually it probably wasn't a big deal at all because i i think that the ones have always been popular but they've become so increasingly popular mm, in like the last they were, 10 to 20 years uh, they've always been popular man they're like the sig they've yeah it's no I, i'm not i'm not arguing that i'm just saying i i yeah. think that they like just that the the market itself has just exploded in the last decade more so than previously and maybe more so on the resale market than it is like actually getting the the first actually getting the shoes from nike or from Foot Locker or whoever i think when you're just like diving into like the sneaker culture at like everything about that it's like and like even me i'm like at some point I want to like buy a pair of like true ones of some kind. I just think like, it's almost like a starter kit. It's the of like, all right, if you're into basketball shoes, you know, like everyone's got to have their pair of ones that they, you, you know, whatever the case is. But, uh, I think it's just become like such the standard of like, there hasn't been anything to compete with it. It's just like, because it was kind of the first and, all the different iterations of it the like the it's true itself even at the time they talk about it in the dock is like the fact that you could get it in all these different colors and like options and it was like it wasn't just like one color one she, you know like kind of how the converse were it was this very much like you could have different looks to it and get kind of a, one that reflected how what the style you wanted as far as like color schemes and stuff like that I mean, that's, like, ever since the first one. So, I think just, like, introducing, being the one to introduce, like, multiple colorways and just even that component. Plus, the shoe is just a clean, like, simple look. And it's just, like, so iconic now that it just won't ever be topped. Right. 
Um, I guess my point that I was trying to get to, and I, I mean, like the colorways piece is, is valid, and that was like a pretty immediate um, with the different options that that the one brought to the table. But I guess what I was trying to say is like I don't think in the moment when he wore those shoes, it was that huge of a deal. Um, but now looking back at it, it's like, damn, that's like tight that, yeah. you know, 10 plus years into his career and he's won five championships going for a sixth. And he, he came back to MSG and is wearing those sneakers. Like that's dope. And yeah. if anyone today was to do like no one, I don't think any player that is currently playing today, if they wore, you know, the LeBron one, the KD one, whatever it is. Yeah. It's just it's there's it's not going to be viewed the same way. I mean, I hope when LeBron's last game ever is, hope the last time he plays in Miami, he does wear those Miami Knights thirteens again or the the ten. For what LeBron number those are? I know I know which ones you're talking about, but I'm not sure either. Oh, they're tens or the thirteen. I hope he wears those his last game there. <laughs> Me too. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I just thought that was that was like a one thing of like I did not realize that portion of it. And I'm talking about was like his feet were bleeding and like he was like thinking about taking him off a half and all. Like it's just like kind of funny that he just like played through him and like his feet were bleeding and he still dropped like 38 on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, when you have really bad blisters on your feet, I can't imagine just like running through that for another couple yeah. hours. Like that's actually crazy. Having to me. being someone that frequently gets blisters on their feet, I could do it, but like in the, I guess if I had blisters and then put the shoes on and had, like I don't that doesn't bother me. But yeah, when you're starting to get the blitz, like you can feel it happening while you're playing. That's kind of tough, because you're almost like I want to do something now because this is this is uncomfortable, but it's only going to be worse later. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, that that was. It's one of the more impressive things, uh, feats from Michael Jordan is that he was, like, yeah, halftime, my feet are already bleeding, and I just played through that like. Yeah. different yeah. breed but um yeah, yeah the everything about the sneak i'm glad that they dove into the sneakers a little bit i feel yeah. like you could do you could honestly do an hour episode and spend the entire time right. just talking about the shoes and the progression of it and the yeah. entire history of it they gave it a very small piece which like that's you know that's what Whoa. the doc is geared for is his career and his accomplishments yeah. the shoes all in all I mean, a small piece of it, but it was still awesome to see in the background with him wanting to go to Adidas and shout out to going to Nike. Shout out to Mama Jordan. No, I mean, I think what you probably was an interesting thing that I have found myself in with a lot of these parts of it is like there have been a bleat, and it's not all just Jordan related things, but there has been, I mean, the Jordan brand shoe being one. I mean, Dennis Rodman himself, which like. There are some of these things that like are covered in this documentary that they've already done other documentaries on. So it's like there, some of the, these things are like ah, oh, like you know, there's so much more around that piece of time that they're not covering because they're trying to do you know throughout, like you said, his his career. But like you know, the Dream Team, like you the Dream Team documentary from NBA TV, very good. 
Um, you know, there's a full thirty for thirty on Rodman. Like you said, the the Jordan Brand thing is one where I'm like, yeah, I could I could watch an hour, hour and a half just on that. Everything that goes around that. Um, there's certain like MJ Isaiah. You know, there's stuff in this episode. I felt more and more was like they were going through a lot of things, but I was like, I really wanted them to focus more on X, Y, and Z. And I know you can't do that in this format, but like I think from this. I do wonder if there will be any more, like, individual, you know, documentary episodes, whatever you want to phrase it as, is like, yeah, we spent an hour and a half talking about this topic tied to this, or if, like, this is, and and from a Jordan perspective, this might be all we get. Like, this is the most and all. There's not going to be anything after it. I don't, I mean, I don't think that we're going to get anything like MJ had to sign off on this for us yeah. to get it, so but I don't like think we're, we're getting anything else. But I just mean like even like Phil Jackson as a whole, like Phil Jackson as a character is I think going to be undercovered in this. I think um, you know when you're talking about, I mean they did a MJ baseball one, so I mean you've got that. But there's like I think there's almost like something you could do about MJ and Stern, just as like. There, uh, there's, there's just a lot. I, I think that could be done. I, I do think some of it will be, um, just you know, uh, what context. But, um, yeah, like you were well, saying, they could, about, do, they could do one strictly on his first retirement and why he did it. Yeah, oh, just Jordan gambling stuff too. Yeah, I mean. Anyway, the easy to do. What you were alluding to is kind of like where they talked about his courtment like courting of different brands and just like like and I don't there I don't think there is truly an answer to any of this but there is so much about Jordan where it's like I guess I've found myself asking more and more it's like reaffirming I guess to me that I think it just was like a perfect storm of like a lot of things in sports and in the world and like marketing wise that like all kind of came to a head and it just so happened like the perfect vehicle to like to elevate all of those things was in one singular person. <laughs> Whether it's like bat like you listening to them talk about like how basketball players weren't really didn't have shoes. Like the ten, that was a tennis player thing of like selling equipment tied to a right. specific player. Um that you know, Converse was the time just like had everyone Sort of just like the standard MB basketball shoe. I've never owned a pair of Converse. Never thought about playing a pair of Converse. I actually can't stand the Converse All Stars. I think they're. <laughs> I don't. Not that they're a bad shoe, just not a shoe I would ever wear for myself. Right. Um. But like, kind big, of. Bro. What? Your feet are too big, bro. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um. But how they position all of that, and it's just like to then see, like, you basically, if you timed out all these things in the progressions, but you just remove Michael Jordan from history, it's like, do those things still happen? Or, like, was Michael the central core piece that helped move all those forward? And I, I think you can make arguments either way. Like, yeah, you replace him with someone else, would it, this, like, thing have happened? Maybe. But I think there could have been flaws in it. I think it just was like, and the way he looked, the way, like, everything about Jordan 
was perfect to propel this all forward. Um, given all of that, and like I guess from my vantage point of knowing a little bit more about like um, Sonny Vaccaro and like kind of you know reading some books on like him and like his influence on all this, like but he's said multiple basically like he saw Michael Jordan and was like, listen, this is the thing, like this guy is going to sell as much as possible. But even hearing like the courting of him on these shoe companies, and maybe it just was the documentary. This is kind of, but it's like, it felt underwhelming of like an opportunity that just like, you know, Nike was the only one that really seemed to step up and like be like, no, we're going to do truly build this around this guy. Um, and the fact that Jordan himself wasn't even going to take the meeting and like his mom is apparently you know, made him go. Um, yeah, there's a tweet, basically like pictures of, of Mama Jordan. It was just like, I'm gonna tell my kids this is the founder of Nike, and I they have an argument. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a great what if. What if he goes with Adidas? What if he goes with Converse? What if he goes to whatever Reebok? You know, it, I did see another one was joking. Adidas is the Portland Trailblazers of shoe companies. <laughs> it's kind of accurate. Uh, you, you look at some of their other. Uh, hot, you look at their pivotal um, 2010 11 signature athletes of Dwight Howard and Derrick Rose. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> and T Mac. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> that's a really good comparison, but yeah, I. Um, it was really interesting. I'm glad that they showed it. I like I said, if they would have spent the entire first, if they would have spent the first, you know, the fifth overall episode, the first episode on Sunday, just on the sneakers, which I was like ready for. <laughs> I knew that I didn't yeah. really think that was gonna happen, but I was like, ooh, like let's get into this. Yeah. Um, but the marketability, they just. I don't know if it was luck. Maybe they. Yeah. Maybe they I think saw it's a combination of it all right but it was yeah i mean you don't know like you you can be certain that that you're getting a diamond in the rough not that mj really was but that you're investing they said typically a starting rookie contract with a shoe with a shoe company would be around 100 grand and you got 250 from nike uh, i mean yeah. they they went out on a limb and Paid off. $124 million in shoe sales they had in 1985. I think they were pretty happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's transitioning from that because actually where I wanted to. So where this starts, and I do wonder, because I know they were still like in some ways editing and compiling these episodes now even. No one like episode one and two came out. Uh director uh i'm blanking on his name right now uh mark Ayers uh had said that they uh like he was finishing up like approving sound and doing stuff for episodes like seven and eight so i am wondering with where i'm going is where the fifth episode opens with mj's last all-star game around that and they very much do tie in with like kobe um which 
And I wonder, I do just wonder, like, how much of this was made and just, like, cut with the context that Kobe was no longer with us. Um, Because, obviously, it's, like, present in mind of everyone that's watching this. But, like, at the same time, like, were they doing that kind of as a nod to him? Or, because it didn't really, I think, fall into necessarily the same place of, like, how they've chronologically gone through everything else. Um in a in a lot of ways but um yeah i mean the kobe part i was like damn this is just wild that we're watching this and like everyone that's showing here like that kobe's not with us and like hearing him talk about like the i what i found most striking about that i guess is if you look at what kobe said about michael in the documentary and then reflect like what what michael was saying about kobe at his memorial and talking about Kobe like that there was a very much a yeah like there was a big brother little brother relationship and just like hearing both sides speaking up to that and everything about it um and like Kobe's reaction of like people asking him about beat it like being able to beat Michael Jordan one-on-one I thought was fascinating and just like the little snippet of that. Um, But just like kind of seeing everything around that and also thinking like, I don't know if Kobe, like older Kobe, and if you'd gotten like younger Kobe to talk about the same, like if he would have said it necessarily the same thing, but seeing elder Kobe, which is even a weird thing to phrase it like that. But um, yeah, I think to open up the fifth episode, it's kind of like, all right, like, it put me in a certain mindset when I was watching the rest of the, these, like everything, you know, from these last two episodes. So the uh, the Kobe thing, what I mean, I literally got chills during that part. Yeah, um, and was I felt conflicted. I still feel conflicted because mm-hmm. it's like part of me was like, man, it would have been really cool to see ten or fifteen minutes on the dynamic and the battles between Kobe and MJ. And part of me also felt, and I still feel this way, that it's like, you know, you you could do an entire episode on MJ and Kobe, and I would just, like, I still kind of want more. So, like, what is the right amount? And at the end of the day... For for this, it was probably the right amount. But, like, later it's like... I agree. I agree with that. Uh, It's just like... um, I thought it was really cool that they... I don't know if it was the very first thing that they opened with, was I it? I think it was, yeah. I thought it was. Um, yeah, it was the first thing was, in episode five. What he had to say was just, like, so on the nose. And um, he... I mean, I've said this on this pod before, too, and I don't think it was even like in, the, in the last one that we did talking about this, but Kobe looked like MJ. I mean, he didn't... He was, yeah, he was trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, he was. He emulated him. The way he moved, the way he played, the way that he approached the game and what it meant to be a champion. It was just MJ. <laughs> so, I'm glad... I'm just really glad that they had him in this documentary. And it was just... It was sad but it was really cool to see him talk again. Yeah, but like even by like even the context of seeing it, 
my brain still is like short circuiting of like the idea like Kobe isn't around anymore. Oh, it's it was you felt like he was for one moment I was like, Oh yeah, it's Kobe, like the guy that's just retired and that is alive and that is yeah. is still gonna be impacting the game of basketball. Not to like completely go on a tangent, but I do like what I came to the reflection of when watching it too is like almost like I mean, timing of Kobe's death, you know, end of January versus, like, what we're dealing with now. It was like, you know, I think a lot of us, I don't think anyone really came to, like, grips with it or, like, truly anyone. And I think what I'm saying have still haven't, like, hit the reality because I think the reality was going to come when those Laker playoff games happen and, like, if the Lakers had made it to the finals and, like, if they had won and the idea of like them winning around this, like for Kobe and kind of just like progressing that story getting carried forward. And like, because of the pandemic that kind of the, the season stopping and being paused, whatever, maybe not being completed. It kind of paused that progression of like the, of going through the kind of mourning, grieving, just processing of him. So it's like, him getting jolted into this, it was like my that's where I'm like my brain short circuited because it was like it doesn't feel as though I'm watching this of a person that because the kind even when they recorded this versus every it's like you know it feels like they could have they could have taken that Kobe clip, shot it two days ago, and then put it into the dock on that Sunday. Yeah, that was the most eerie part about it. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> just so I, I, I don't know, a, a very weird feeling. Yeah. On a lighter subject around the All Star Game, what did you think about watching uh, the MJ Larry Magic like shit talking in the locker room before that game? Oh man, I mean, and hearing Michael Jordan let out a shit, <laughs> and well, almost hearing Magic swear. That was the thing I was most disappointed about. I thought we almost heard Magic swear. And Magic is always on, so much so, that he realized there was a camera and, like, cut himself off before he could swear. Yeah, I think the one... not I'm going to answer your question, but... I've thought so much about Larry Bird stemming from that episode because I've seen <laughs> shit, like... I've seen shit, like, comparing him to KD and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just, like... I want, like, out of all the players out there that I really wish I could watch play today, like, all right, put Larry on a, on a 2020 team and let's see what happens. He might, he might be number one. I I mean, I, I just would not just not to say that I don't mean this as like, he would be the best. Cause if that's what we're trying to do, then I would say like, yeah, put MJ yeah. in today's league and give him a, a preseason where he's like, learns the value of the three-point shot and practices shooting threes uh but just as like as an experiment to see how uh the game trans would translate between different eras larry would be my my lab rat (laughs) for sure that's Um, that i mean that's he'd be for sure up there i i always thought of and this is more just a c2 of like but like 
Elgin Baylor was like always one for me where I was always like, because even when you look at like, so this, but like the finals thing, there was like the one thing of like players that have averaged 40 points per game in a final series was um, Elgin Baylor, Jordan, and I forget who the third was. Me too. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. But um, to answer your question about them just like giving each other shit in the locker room, it's they – we hit up on this a little bit last time around, but it was like, okay, Larry and Magic kind of saved basketball. They were – they represented yeah. like a slightly different era and then there's this crossover time with MJ and just this like – that footage of them in the locker room, everything with the dream team and like MJ, like kind of goading him and like being, um, being, he was the primary one that was kind of pushing MJ's buttons. It was like, so like what's really, I guess, interesting. in when you look at the, a very, a broader timeline of the NBA is that, you could go year by year and call out like who was who was like the alpha of the league this year and i don't mean like mvp i mean like the guy because i think you would even say in the last decade like steph curry won a couple mvps yeah james harden won an mvp Giannis won it like who was the alpha year after year after year and lebron was it has been it most of the time not every right. year i wouldn't say he was last year but most of the time mm. Hmm. we're not let's not turn this into a LeBron conversation but anyway uh, and what's interesting is that all of those guys are very different like no one's really cut from the same cloth the the two people that are the most similar are probably Kobe and LeBron but other than that I couldn't really tell you two guys that were really that close to one another because like Larry and Magic were not that similar um and and In mj almost every and, way and and mj mj and magic were not all that similar so it's just very interesting to to think about how their personalities and their leadership styles were so so different um Whoa. and yet they were like viewed at they are, are still viewed as the some of the most important players that have ever played well i think what I've always been and like yeah I think well this is like a good way to transition with the dream team stuff too it's like the idea of like those three being like the essentially the figureheads of modern to, that led us to modern NBA basketball and just like popularity and growth of the league but that on a personal level like those three guys were did have a relationship and were like close and didn't they obviously all competed in like different ways and like there's an overlap but it wasn't like a like when magic and larry were playing there wasn't a a fight against them they weren't fighting to necessarily hand the torch over to michael it just became evident they recognized it and they did it and then i mean you know michael took it from there oh like almost when you look at throughout the NBA it's like you've had that seamless transition I feel like of figurehead you know and I think a lot of it was from that that's 
early part because you could have easily had you know magic or larry be like no it's still like my league and in whatever the case may be but it was very seamless and it's like kind of i think continued forward and I, I give those guys credit for it um and it's it, it was just like in that clip and then you see like the the dream team stuff too when they talk about forming it i mean I think there's something to be said for the idea of when you're looking at basketball players being like the top 1% of 1% of like people would be able to do this and perform in this way. It's like any social circles you're in, like that you relate to, like, I mean, there's something like only those couple guys can know what the other person's really going through on a day-to-day like basis of of anything like in those three i think a lot of their relationship was just built on some commonalities and like it it helped with those differences and like they all are um you know in their own ways like very approachable people in whatever you know sense of you want to you know take that through with each each person but um to kind of see that and like how it carries over in the dream team part um, of things where it's like getting those three guys was their, their core piece of like doing this was like, we got magic Larry and Michael and let's figure out the rest and like selling the game expand. Like I think only having two of those three would have, would have probably, you know, accomplished a similar achievement, but like, fact that all three of those guys were able to be a part of that dream team together too i think is like a uniquely special thing that like couldn't be necessarily recreated or like you know there's things that could have gone wrong i <laughs> like maybe with if isaiah joined or not right that that changes like how the success of that goes about oh yeah i mean I, if isaiah if isaiah would have been on that team um, we've talked about several it, big what ifs, but like if Isaiah's on that team, if they like, they would have won. Yeah, they, Isaiah I mean, should have been on the team. Like, yes, of course they were so that team is so fucking good. I mean, if you you just go top to bottom, well, is, if you're listening to this, you are, know what the dream team is. You probably watched that documentary already. I don't need to rehash it, but like that team is so so stacked. And they won every game by 30-plus points. You could put Isaiah, Thomas, and me on that team and played me 10 minutes a game, and they probably would have won the gold medal. But the Isaiah stuff, it, I did you actually believe any of it that they, they did try to throw this in at the beginning that it was like, oh, well, it wasn't all MJ. Like, yeah. Magic didn't like him either. Like, do you believe that? Yeah, I mean, there's... Timeline stuff, yeah, there's no way. I, I mean, granted, if Michael's drone wasn't going to play because Isaiah, like, yeah, Isaiah wasn't going to make it. But, like, I think it was that Isaiah had enough issues with those, the you know, between Magic, Larry, and Michael. <clears throat> it wasn't that Isaiah necessarily had a good relationship with any of those three guys. And I don't think that helped his case. But, like, on the merits and... Isaiah saying like he met the criteria he should have been on the team I mean you can make every argument like he definitely should have been on it over John Stockton just like the idea of if you looked at that dream team it's like all right swap out Isaiah for John Stockton and then 
if you look at the Christian Leitner thing, if you would they'd put Shaq on the team instead of Christian Leitner, um, which probably should, like Shaq should have been on probably on the dream team over Christian Leitner. Um, you've done that, like then you look at that team, you're like, holy, that is literally the best team ever assembled. You know, in a, in a time frame kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, I think, like, in the given scope of it, too, it was, like, I, I don't think they touched on it enough, but it's, like, I mean, the fact Chuck Daly was the coach, too, was Isaiah's coach, and Isaiah wasn't on the team, I think probably speaks to just, like, the goals of, of what that thing was about. If it was really about assembling the best players, Isaiah would have been on it. It was about expanding the game, growing it some, but also having, like, some of all the best players on there. It's like Stockton's only on there because of because Mo- Carl Malone. Um, like those, that was a package deal. So when you're going through the numbers of it all, it's like it. In in obviously we have hindsight with it too, right? But it makes sense to me why and in that scope of it. But it is. Um, the, it was definitely one of the the pieces that I mentioned at the beginning of this, where it's like actually hearing MJ's talk and like still be basically like yeah I think that guy's an asshole to this day um just being able to see that I think is like gripping and is like obviously something like that's really I think what this documentary is accomplishing more than anything it's just like us being able to hear it directly from these sources that all of these things have been talked about for you know almost 30 years now yeah it's just kind of confirming everything which like it's still cool like i enjoyed the dream team stuff even though we had seen a dedicated two-hour documentary on the dream team i'm i'm still glad they did it i mean that you got to talk about it which and they do touch on it in this too it's like and i think it played better in this form than it did in the dream team stuff is the context around that tony kukoc game Something they don't really give Tony Kukoc credit for is game two, right? Um, which, like, yeah, I've, yeah, heard about you know from Chicago in like that context. It's brought up. It got brought up around here uh, during the Dream Team documentary. But like, I was glad that they did show that part and like hearing Tony Kukoc's side of it in this too. Um, he's just like, "What the fuck? I just want to play basketball." Like, basically. Um, and like this, but like they, they, I, I, what I really liked about this, what they covered in this was they took that, but they've been building up this central theme throughout the entire series of just like these, and they really hammer that point home in these two episodes of like when they're talking about even the Phoenix final series, and they're just basically like, um, you know, or any like, oh, Jerry said a nice thing about this guy, or like, Jerry thought this guy, you know, and it's like anything Jerry Krause would like put his stamp of approval on, Jordan and Pippen were like, fuck that. Yeah, they did not like him very much. Um, I, I just wish- thought like using the using the Scotty thing as a starter of that, and then like building off that, I thought was like, or the Kuko stamp, sorry, building off the Kuko, like starting the Scotty stuff, but really introducing like how Pippen and Jordan operated in that way 
just like anything Jerry had his eye on that he liked, those guys were like, because Jerry couldn't do anything about it on the court to them, it's like, no, we're just going to be like, no, we're going to show you why that dude sucks. Do you think that, like, at this point, when when Kuk- when they'd be playing against Kukoc and they'd already they had his draft rights you know they are like championship bound like they're they are going to be a dynasty and they kind of know that why like do you think that they hate do you think they hated Kraus because of how he ran the team more so well, or because it's... they just hated him as a person cuz i think it's that they just like thought he sucked well i don't i mean kraus has never been like considered a very personable person i like i just think his interactions like you know the timing of the dream team stuff too is like scotty's contract negotiations and it's timing up where like there's money kraus isn't giving to to scotty that scotty felt entitled to because he was trying to negotiate a contract with tony kukoc um. So like, there's that core thing that then you know spans forward. Where Tone in like Pippin's like the leverage of like I need to get as much money as I can, like you know in case I get hurt. But I think with Jerry Krause, like I think his greatest weakness, and I I'm, I'm still hopeful we like, get something on it. But I think his greatest fault was like he wasn't, and I don't think you should be this way as a GM because you should always be looking towards the next move and what's like. You know, never be stagnant, but I think he got too enamored with like the next thing, the next transaction, that he never like really had an appreciation for like, no, like I'm good, like I there's strength in holding my position. And whether it's you look at how he handled coaches from going from Doug Collins, like finding Phil and basically like, all right, Phil, 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 Phil. When did I make Phil the head coach? When did I make Phil? Now it's time to make Phil the head coach. To even Phil exiting and like seeing this dynasty roll like kind of on the back end of it and being like, I need a new coach. I got Tim Floyd. I got Tim Floyd. When did I make Tim Floyd? Tim Floyd. Tim, you know, like I think he's just wired in a way if he's always ready for his next move and like connecting from like current state to the next thing and didn't really give a damn in between. <laughs> about the people that like I don't think Jerry Krause is one of his weaknesses is he never I think treated things as though people were involved he treated everything like they were transactions on you know paper yeah not a not a great look yeah but I mean like yeah just the fact like in Dan like the thing Tony Kukuch good a good basketball player Dan Marley good basketball player even like and not that this got the the crowd stand approval. Clyde Drexler, like good player, but just like to Jordan, basically like f that guy. I'm gonna make him look like the worst basketball player ever. And oftentimes, like kind of did just in context against him. But like these weren't bad basketball players that Jordan was like. I don't really humiliate is like the proper word, but like to make look so much farther less than he was in that a certain moment because of like his motivation to do so is still to this day to me wild yeah no i get that anyway to i'm not there's your your uh jerry Krause segment everyone
Well, I hope the doc does, like, touch on it more. But, like, I think that's, like, the central theme of, like, if they're not going to get to it, though, that's, like, my opinion of it. It's, like, this guy deserves his credit, but, you know, if he had more people skills, I do feel like he could have fit, like, maintained and they could have done a better job with the relationship with Pippen and Jordan. Because, like, especially look at now, like, could you imagine Bob Myers and, like, just could you imagine, like, the Warriors and basically Steph Curry and Clay Thompson being, like, fucked our front office. Like, we're going to make them look bad. I don't know how this would all be handled today. Like, if they did that. The player would leave. I mean, they'd leave. Yeah, I think they're, the today's version of that is, hey, trade me. Um, today's version of that is LeBron. I mean, like, the Heat thing is probably, in some context, like, the closest we got to some of this. Yeah. Like, the end of the Miami, the Miami Heat thing, and it's not, but it was essentially, like, LeBron decided, I don't want to, like, I'm moving on um, type thing. It was, like, kind of, like, it didn't need to end, but it was just, like, someone made the choice that they decided it was ending, and therefore it ended. Mm-hmm. But that's different. But the 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 context is that's a player deciding it versus in the Bulls thing it was a front office person making that decision and that in and of itself like just shows how the league is, the league itself has even changed beyond you know moving forward like just the empowerment portion of it um so we, we gotta talk about this gambling stuff though we gotta talk about the gambling stuff we do have to talk about the MJ Isaiah stuff are the last two things we have here um. So, kind of like closing out though the MJ Isaiah thing. Um. What did you? I guess my question to you is, what did you think about a the just the source of the beef? Like with the handshake, just that moment, and like just kind of just hear. I mean, I guess like hearing both of them talk about. The post, so it's like you know, it's the first couple episodes too. They touch on this, but just like I, 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 the two questions I have is like, what are your thoughts on just like that? This is like thirty years removed, and there's still like these strong feelings, especially on the Jordan side of it. But then, two, like, should these two old ass dudes still have so much, like, be caught up in so much of their feelings about it? Uh, I. It is really, really difficult when you get to the point that you feel hatred towards someone else to bury the hatchet and be okay with that person. I, I personally, am, I'm certainly not going to cite examples of people that I've hated in the past, but I will say I don't think I've ever, like, that's not a healthy way to treat <laughs> someone else because everyone makes mistakes and why someone is coming across a certain way to you. You know, who knows the context as to why they're acting the way that they're acting. Whatever. I'm not going to, like, yeah. this is not a social podcast. I don't need to dive, or a psychological podcast. I don't need to, I don't need to dive into that. But that is inherently a difficult thing to do. So the fact that that still exists today is not surprising to me. Um, why, why MJ felt the way that he did and 
assuming the primary reason he felt that way was because of the lack of handshake. I actually don't think that's true. I think that that was just. Uh, I think. It I is. think that was a piece of it. I think that he hate. I think that. I don't know Isaiah Thomas, the player, very well at all. I mean, yeah. I know that he is one of the most. He one of the best point guards of all time. He was. He's probably the best player on two championship teams that beat the Bulls before their reign started. It, he is a very important it, player when it comes to the the history of the NBA. But I feel like and I will add people. I will add the one context to just specific with this. In many, is still of popular opinion. He's like the best basketball player to come out of Chicago. Of like a, a, a one, I think is an important piece of this beef. Fair enough. Okay, good, good like detail. Pre Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas was the best and most popular player in Chicago. So that that may and maybe that holds some weight in all of this, but I it guess does. what I'm saying is, I think you know they, I don't know how many how often they played the Pistons. Um, if it was four or six games back then, it was six. That's a lot of time. Like he has, he had played. Well, he played against Isaiah a lot, and yeah. so I just I get the general feel that that team and him being the leader of that team, yeah, just that did not sit well with him, and that created a very negative relationship. Yeah, I'm gonna steal. Something from like Bomani's pod that he did with Scoop Jackson on this, and like they brought up the point that basically Isaiah and Michael's only personal interactions with one another, all of them, like every interaction the two of them had was like through basketball. Like they didn't interact with each other outside of a basketball game. Like the, all of it was through basketball. And I mean, like I know from personal experience, if there are guys that I met or like people i became friends with um our our buddy deuce uh (laughs) the first time i met deuce was playing basketball against him and i kind of hated him i was like this dude's like kind of wild (laughs) like that was my first now so of every interaction i had with deucey in and of itself had only been playing basketball and like not knowing anything else about him, I don't know if I'd be friends with him. But he's like one of my best friends, so <laughs> like oh, not thinking good. that's not thinking that's actually like Isaiah and, and Michael had a but could have had a budding friendship together. But like I do totally understand the idea of like viewing a person only through the lens of playing basketball when you really like those are things you're both passionate about, and like that's your central social like transfer and like interaction with her, I could see that building on itself like pretty quickly. Very it is a very good point. <laughs> you people you, you could I feel like I left you speechless there for a second. No, I, I mean I the way that you perceive someone on a basketball court when you play against them versus who they are as an actual human being in normal life can be so different. Yeah. And in fact, most people are so different. MJ, I feel like was probably pretty similar in both cases. Yeah. Um, but Isaiah Thomas is definitely one of those guys. Like I would bet my life on it. Yeah. I don't think I would have, I think I would have hated Isaiah if I played against him. 
Um, I agree. But yeah, dude, the, so the, the gambling stuff, I, I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on all of this. And just that, is it yeah. justifiable that people were, he got such a bad rap and that there was so much pressure on him and the whole Atlantic City incident and like everything that happened? Because it all, I will. To me, I, I tend to side with Jordan and all of this and that, do I think that everything he was doing was like super great? And um, what is it? Is it good? that your role model if mj is your role model is doing those types of things no probably not but like that's not his job yeah i think had like this perfect image of him not been cra- i think if if that is one thing where i think if mj was playing today it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was then my my real like central part where i go to that is i think his answer to that is like the most sincere thing ever is like he does have a competition problem and it's mixed with the ability he has this obscene amount of like wealth in some ways that he can just like pull from and fuel that and like he does the amount of money isn't what it's it's the winning beating someone and how can i do that and like even like playing basketball every day like he could only serve that itch so much like he'd have to do other means of it and like he used passion about golf and like gambling like i think like that just like kept him going um and i think like whatever needed to be done to feed that competitive energy if if he had stopped that at points or been forced to like stop doing that at any points i don't think he is as good or he goes crazy you know it's like so I think it just was a very much so for him a median because they don't really like nothing about Jordan ever talking about him betting on sports. It's always in person like activities, games, things like that. So it's I, I do really do believe him when he says like it was a competition problem, not an addiction, like a gambling addiction. Um, I have never seen the Ahmad <laughs> Rashad interview part, but him wearing the glasses was amazing. Um, it is amazing to go back though. I do think that he has a gambling addiction. To be clear. no, I. But yes, he has it. But it's not because of. It, it, I don't. I do not believe it is tied to. I think gambling and that is like is is a fueling for his competition thing because I think he's willing to, if he's losing, his how he's wired as a person is I'm going to keep going till I win type thing and like is finding those challenges but i don't necessarily think like he just has an addiction to like the high of of gambling and went like that i think it's like because if he had a gambling problem he'd be be i feel like he'd be better on sports he'd be playing like poker i mean he'd be doing like a lot of his i mean he's doing some of that but it's like there's there's some skill-ish, I feel like, tied to everything he's gambling on. And he's really gambling on his abilities more than he is on, like... He's not gambling on anything off of chance, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm not saying that I actually... Like, it's one thing if he was... Like, he even makes this excuses. Like, yeah. if I had a gambling problem, I, would, I wouldn't I would be able to... You know, this is when he has, he's wearing sunglasses. Like, I... I 
I'd be losing my wife, I'd be losing my house, I'd be all these things. And just because, like, if you're rich enough, you can still have a gambling problem and still have all that shit. So it doesn't mean that you don't have a gambling problem, is my point. It's like, yeah. is it, do I think it is, for him, do I think it is something that he has to do something about? It is going to ruin his life. No, I don't. Because yeah. he's Michael fucking Jordan, and he's a billionaire, <laughs> and he's doing just fine. And as long as he's not going out losing tens and hundreds of millions of dollars gambling, he is going to be just fine. His family is going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he he's... He has a gamble problem. Yeah. Like, he's gambling uh, on everything. He's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, but... Uh, I don't, look, I, I just, I don't, I don't fundamentally him. believe it, because I'm like, I... Him spending 10, 20,000, they talk about this, it's like, that's like some people spending 15, 20 bucks on bets. And I'll bet on, like, there is very few things. I, like, I, if someone was, like, came into my apartment right now, if they were allowed to, it was like, 20 bucks, play a game of 2K. Even I thought they were better than me, at 2K, I would be like, yeah, let's play for 20 bucks. Like, I I know I would do that. There's something about, like, him in that, like, I do not say I, I'm, I'm not as competitive, but, like, I've got a thing where I'm where it's like, oh, I'm betting on my own ability on this? Yeah, I'm going to give myself a chance. Like, sure, I'm going to bet on myself. Whereas, like, if someone walked in my apartment and was like, and there was a hypothetical basketball game on, it's like, you know... Do you you know take the do you got the uh, you want to take the uh, Mavericks plus four against the Lakers? Like I don't know, maybe I don't think I, I, that's my only option. No, I don't know if I want to do that like today. Well, I see what you're saying. I guess it, volume means something, and it certainly seems like it. If he wasn't playing basketball. The way that he got that kind of fire yeah. is when he was gambling. And I yeah. think if there is a – you can call it a dependency, call it what you want. but dependency, I, dependency. I think dependency ultra is the perfect word. To, to He has a gambling dependency. Yeah, it's just like I don't know what the fuck I would do if I wasn't doing this. Yeah, I think I think dependency is the is actually a beautiful way to describe it. Thank um, you. But we got to really talk about Slim. <laughs> I did not. I knew. I. This is the other thing. I didn't knew nothing about Slim until this. Other than like a little, I, I. I remember here. I know. I remember hearing the name. I just did not know. I never knew. Like I knew like about Slim as far as like that. Jordan had a golfing friend named Slim, and I was like, that's kind of funny. And like I've seen a, a picture of him. But I did not know, like, Jordan, like, he, what, there was a court case and, like, all that stuff. And, like, Slim showed up with a golf bag, a golf shirt to a court, like, all that crap. Yeah, the, the court drawing was hilarious. Love that. Yeah, I didn't know that much about Slim. I, I didn't, I thought Slim was just, like, it's kind of a joke of, like, hey, you guys, buddy Slim. No, turns out Slim, not a, not a great guy. I mean, I think he was a guy. I think he's a character. I don't know if he's. I'm not gonna impede his on his character as his stuff. I mean, Slim was just doing what Slim had to do, man. <laughs> Slim was just taking MJ for a ride. And I'll be honest. Uh, you want to talk about things? I wish for the life of me, one of my goals was to be like. I wish I was good at any single thing. Be good enough to hustle people at it. Yeah, I. 
I can't think of anything that I'm good enough to even try. But to but I'm not. But the context of being like, if someone were talking about you and be like, Ultra, you know, don't play him in this. He'll hustle you, and that to be true. I wish I could have that be said about anything. Yeah, I think like Uno, friends, don't play if... him. He'll hustle you in Uno. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. It's a good and a bad. No, it's all but good. Shout if you're out to good Slim, enough dude. to hustle. It's bad if you get hustled. True. Um. But you, dude, my the, honestly, the sad. So, to kind of wrap things up here. Yeah. I'm just really sad that we're six episodes in. Like, there are only two more weekends left of this, and so, that sucks. <laughs> I so this is my I my like resounding, um, I guess endorsement of this, um, documentary so far is um, I don't think so. I think o, the OJ doc. Like thirty for thirty theory series was one of the best things I've ever watched. Could I sit down and rewatch that? Really, no. Would this honestly, at like now through six episodes of this though, what it really reminds me of, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show, but like one of my favorite—I won't say the best documentary, but one of my favorite ones and probably most rewatchable thing I've ever that I will rewatch. On just a whim, I'll just put in one of the episodes on is the Defiant Ones, which is the Dr. Dre, uh, Jimmy, uh, Iveen. Yeah. I love, like, that is, I think, one of the most rewatchable things of just, like, series, whatever. I'll put on, like, any episode in any given time. Like, I don't have to watch it in order. I'll just watch an episode and be like, I want to, I want to watch this one of that. Um, that's what this really reminds me of. And I can definitely see myself six months from now being like, ah, man, I'm like cleaning the house or I'm like doing something like, but I need somebody on the background. I'm going to throw on one of the Last Dance episodes. I'm going to throw on the Rodman episode of The Last Dance. I'm going to throw on the, uh, you know, Jordan, the Jordan, yeah, Jordan Rules episode, you know, stuff like that. I would just do that. And I could, I, some of it's like rewatching them twice for this pod, but like, I have been like, yeah, I could throw that on at any point. I'd be good. And I think subject matter is <clears throat> obviously very, hits a very, you know, personal note different. for me, myself. Sure. But. Defiant Ones is, is amazing, first of all. Um, and this, this one is going to be super rewatchable. The fact that it's going on Netflix, the fact that... I don't know if it is, be... man. I don't know if we're going to get it on, in the U.S. on that. I think it might be a... ESPN only thing. Oh, I didn't know that. It um, might, it maybe not. I, I think though, because all I don't think any of the thirty for thirties are on Netflix anymore. I think Netflix's well, no, role this, in this was as the international distribution of it. Oh, I, you very well may be right. Either way, if you have ESPN Plus or an ESPN subscription and can just rewatch this on demand, yeah. um, which I know right now is available, it's still. It is one that I will. I'm gonna watch these episodes more than once. Yeah. And the Defiant ones, I actually haven't rewatched. Um, I totally would. It is one of the better. It's probably the best like music documentary that I've seen. Whoa. It's incredible. And it's it's really a good music doc just because of the figures it's talking about and just like 
the <laughs> the insane amount of reach that the levels in reach that those guys had is kind of similar though to Jordan too, where it's like there's so much in this like huge chunk of history within like basketball and sports versus the defiant ones with like music and just like that those two individuals and like MJ like they're just involved in way more than you even thought was possible <laughs> that like they're just so integrated with the history of those things that like by telling their story you're also getting like a full lens on like how we get from like the 70 all the way up to now you know it's like it's um for the defiant ones and with the jordan thing it's like how do we get to modern nba basketball it's like you can see a lot of that through just jordan's rise and you know every there's there's very few things from you know, modern NBA that you can't link some way to like Jordan. You're you're 100 right, dude. But that's a good comparison because the longevity there are definitely ties between this one and Defiant ones and just the rewatchability mm-hmm. of it. You know, the thing we're not gonna be able to get. We're talking about other segments. I could just get a 30 for 30 on just Wizards Jordan also as a great. If they could do a follow up to this, like a two episodes on Wizards Jordan. That would also be interesting. Oh, do 10 episodes on that, man. Let's do that. No, we don't need 10. We just need two. We need, like, the last dance plus the last last dance in two episodes of that. I know. I'm just messing. But I agree. The the Wizards, um, (laughs) I wonder if they even mention it in this, but no, I'm sure they will. I don't know if they will. Maybe, like, the last two minutes. Yeah. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be less than five minutes for sure. Yeah. But hey, I think that does it for uh, this this episode. We got no, number seven and eight. I think my understanding, I think seven and eight are going to be very very good. These two, like overall, kind of felt not filler, but like they had some good stuff. I think they were a little maybe overhyped with like the Jordan Rule controversy. I don't know, like really much was there, but I do think you know. This time next week when we're talking about 7A, I think there's going to be a lot to dive into um, based on what I've what I've kind of got the vibes of what they're going to get into in the next two. So, till then, we appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, and until next time, we will uh, talk to you all next week about the next couple episodes of The Last Dance.